Our Sunday School series divides the story of Samson into two parts, which is actually a great thing because you can really focus on some of the earlier events in Samson's life that often get missed when you try to tell the story of Samson in one Sunday School class. It's usually just focused on Delilah, but there are some important things that happened before that that it's really good to focus on and know about. So our first part of the story of Samson comes from Judges chapter 13 verses 1 to 7 and then also 13, 24, all of chapter 14 and all of chapter 15. Samson is chosen by God to deliver God's people, the Israelites, from the hand of the Canaanites, especially the Philistines, who at this point in time are ruling over them. Yet Samson, when he grows up, has no desire to do God's will and to accomplish what God wants. Samson has his own plans for his life, and he sets out to do what he wants, even defying his parents, not only God, but, but his parents as well. And yet we're going to see how God's will is done anyway. What is Samson's plan? So one of the things you can challenge the Sunday school kids is to consider what is Samson's plan. There's many different points in the account when you can come back to this. What is Samson's plan? What is he trying to accomplish? What is God's plan? Uh, what does God want to be accomplished? And which one of them actually works out in the end? And of course, it's God's will. Martin Luther reminds us in his explanation to the third petition, Thy will be done. He reminds us God's good and gracious will is certainly done without our prayer. So even if we don't pray for it, God's will is going to be done. But we pray for it, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. And so when Luther says we are praying that it may be done among us also, we are praying that we would be willing participants in God's will, gladly doing his will in our life, not that God's will is something forced on us and done despite us, like is the case with Samson. God's will will be done. Most importantly, his will is to send a savior to save us from our sin. So long gospel in the story of Samson, especially in the first part that we're going to go through today, long gospel, uh, the gospel is that God's will is to save us from our sin. His will in the life of Samson was to deliver his people so that through them the Savior could come. His will for us is to deliver us from temptation and from evil and to wash away our sin through Jesus Christ. So the law then would be rather than insisting on our own way like Samson, we should pray that God would give us a heart that gladly seeks his way and delights when his will is done in our life. Chapter 13 introduces us to Zoah and his wife Manoah. They have no child. Manoah is barren, but God reveals to her uh, through an angel that she will have a child. However, this child is to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite, the rules for what a Nazarite is, is set down in uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 6. The word Nazarite means one who is set apart. So it was a special group that God gave that somebody, if somebody really wanted to dedicate their lives to the Lord, uh, they could do it in this way. Most of the people of Israel did not have the choice to become priests. The priests, of course, were only to be from the house of Levi, but anyone from any tribe could be a Nazarite and devote themselves to God and to his word uh, in this way. And God gave in Numbers chapter 6 three rules which the Nazarites were to follow, which would be a sign of the fact that they were set apart for God. 
And those three words were that they would take a vow not to cut their hair, not to drink anything fermented, uh, you know, anything alcoholic, especially any fruit of the grapevine, and not to come anywhere near a dead body. Samson, of course, doesn't have a choice. His parents are told by God that he will be a Nazarite. Uh, we have other Nazarites in Scripture, just as, such as John the Baptist as well, that we, that we hear about. But this is not Samson's choice. Uh, this is something that God ordained that this is what he would be. And this might be part of the reason why we see him rebelling against it. We can certainly understand how he might not like the fact that this choice was made for him. So even God even tells Manoah, even when she's pregnant with the child, Samson, she also should obey these rules, avoid any strong drink, um, avoid anything unclean, so that the child, Samson, does not touch these things or drink unclean things through the mother while the mother is pregnant with her. The child is born as God predicted, and he grows up. And when he is a young man, he goes down to a city of the Philistines called Timnah. Now, we're not told why he goes down, but he goes down. And when he's there, he sees a young woman, and this woman, we're, we're never told her name, but we, she, he sees a young woman of the Philistines and decides this is the person that he wants to marry. So he goes back home, and he tells his father, get that woman for me as a wife. Now, it was common that it was the father's job to find a wife for his son. But you notice that, in a re very real sense, this is turned on its head because it's not the father going out and choosing a wife for Samson, which is what should have happened, but rather it's Samson coming home and saying, this is what I want, and this is the one I'm going to have. His parents, of course, are quite upset. They try and talk him out of it. They say, isn't there someone among your relatives? Even, even if you don't pick someone among your relatives, pick someone of the Israelites rather than a Philistine who is an uncircumcised heathen, not of the people of God. Now, this was contrary to God's word. God, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 to 4, God has specifically forbidden the people of Israel from the people of Israel from intermarrying with the Canaanite people. And again, it comes back to God's promise. So much of this comes back to God's promise. God's goal is not just to make Samson in a, a strong Hercules-type hero. God's goal is to preserve the Israelite people as a people separate from the Canaanites and the other people among whom they live, and then through them to bring forth the Messiah. So when the Israelites followed God's word, especially with regard to this not intermingling, they are by faith confessing their faith in the coming of the Messiah. When people like Samson disregard God's word with regard to this, they're dismissing the, and throwing away the promise of the Messiah. They don't really care about God's promise or God's plan to bring forth a Messiah to save them from their sin. And so this is a really a very sinful attitude that Samson has. And his parents try to talk him away from it. Uh, he responds, no, this is the right woman for me. That's the NIV translation. This is the right woman for me. Other translations have it, which, which is probably more accurate in the Hebrew, uh, have Samson saying, this is the one I will have. And you see the attitude of Samson, not only disregard for God's will, but a complete and utter disregard for his parents' will as well. He was not fulfilling the fourth commandment honoring his father and his mother. So you can talk to the children about that too there. How is Samson disregarding the fourth commandment and how should we act toward our parents? His parents 
also don't show great um, wisdom here because they eventually give in to him. And just based on Samson's attitude throughout the book of Judges, when we, we see him, it seems likely that his parents were in the habit of giving in to him. It's kind of not surprising. He's the only child. They wanted a child for so long, and they finally get a child. It's not surprising that maybe they overindulged him and spoiled him a little bit. But you see the result in, in Samson's life here. Samson in, intended to marry the Philistine girl, and this is the beginning of the conflict between Samson between Samson and the Philistines. Now the Bible lets us in on God's secret plans here. Uh, a lot of times the Bible tells us accounts, but it doesn't really tell us what's going on in God's mind. But here the Bible reveals to us that God actually wanted this, despite the fact that it's contrary to Scripture. God actually wanted uh, Samson to try to, he doesn't actually marry the girl. Well, he does go through the wedding, but um, they never end up really being married totally. But God <clears throat> wants uh, Samson to fall in love with this girl because he's going to use it in order to bring again, bring this conflict between Samson and the Philistines and to fulfill his promise to raise up Samson as, as a um, savior of the people of Israel. So there again you have, well, what is Samson's plan and what is God's plan? And we'll see, we'll, with the kids, we'll see well, which one actually works out. So on the way to Timnah to visit this girl, Samson is attacked by a lion. But the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, his great strength is given to him, and he tears the lion apart. And he leaves the body sitting there. But notice he does not tell his parents. So next time that he goes down to Timnah and he's on the way to get married, he goes to check on this carcass of the lion and he finds honey growing in the lion. He takes the honey, he eats some of it, and notice he gives it to his parents. They also eat from it, but he does not tell them where he got it from. Why does he keep this a secret from his parents? Well, we have to go back to the rules of the Nazarite. Remember, one of the rules of the Nazarite was not to come near any dead thing. Obviously, taking honey out of the jaw of a lion is coming near a dead thing. So notice that Samson has already broken one of the three laws of the Nazarites. A lot of attention is given to the, the fact that his hair is cut later on, and we're not going to get to that part in this, this first part of Samson and what we're going through today. A lot of attention is given to the, to the fact that his hair is cut, but we're going to see how he actually already violated three of those rules long before we get to that part of his cutting his hair. And this once again shows his disregard and his disrespect for God's word. He doesn't really care if he's following God's word and he's following God's will. Uh, here he is near a dead thing, which he, he should not have done. He continues on then to the wedding feast and he uses this lion with the honey in it as the source of a riddle out of the, the strong, uh, something sweet has come, right? And he challenges the Philistines at his, his own wedding to tell him the answer to this riddle. This was pretty common. It was pretty common for riddles to be told at wedding feasts and, and even for a prize or a price to be attached to them. And so Samson also challenges and gambles with them a little bit you know, if you can't tell me, then you owe me 30 sets of clothes. And if I can't tell, or if you do tell me, then I owe you 30 sets of clothes. And he specifies 30 linen garments and 30 coats. So he's talking about both the inner and the outer garment. So it would have been 30 full sets of clothes, according to the custom of that day. The people, of course, have no idea what Samson is talking about, not knowing the story of how he ripped the lion apart. 
And after three days of not being able to figure it out, they finally resort to asking Samson's betrothed wife, that young Philistine girl he wanted to marry. She cries and begs Samson to tell the answer, even claiming that, well, if you really loved me, you would tell me. Samson's response is, well, I didn't even tell my parents. If I didn't tell my parents what the answer is, you know, why do you, why do you think I should tell you? That obviously isn't a matter of love. But because she keeps on crying, he finally gives in and tells her on the seventh day of the wedding feast. Now, the NIV there says that she uh, cried the whole seven days, but she, the Philistines didn't ask her to find out even until the fourth day. So there's two possibilities there. One, the translation is wrong, and it's not that she cried the whole seven days, but that she cried until the seventh day. And that's the most likely. The translation prepositions, that, or the Hebrew prepositions there are not all, always that specific. Most likely, she started crying on the fourth day when the, the Philistines asked her to, and she cried until the seventh day, so it would have been about three days. The other possibility, of course, is that she wanted to know even before the Philistines came and asked her, but then maybe she redoubled her efforts after the Philistines came and asked her. Anyway, Samson gives in and tells her, so the Philistines are able to answer. So now he owes them 30, 30 linen garments and 30 coats. He's really upset because he realizes that his wife had told them. And so he says, you would never have figured it out unless you had used my wife. So he's mad at his wife. He's mad at the Philistines. So he decides that he's going to take the 30 garments from other Philistines. So he goes to this other city. He kills uh, 30 other Philistines and he takes their sets of clothes and then he comes and gives it to those Philistines. So you notice how God's will is done. Samson has started to do what God wanted him to do, which was to deliver God's people from the Philistines. Well, <clears throat> God causes this to roll out of control, kind of like a snowball rolling down a hill there, right? Uh, one thing leads to another. The father of the girl who was supposed to be married assumes that Samson is too mad at this girl to be his wife, and so she get, he gives the girl to basically his best man, uh, the, the man who's, who stood up for Samson at the wedding feast. Samson, however, doesn't realize this. He goes home to be with his parents for a little while. After a little while, and we're told specifically at the time of the wheat harvest, which would have been around the end of May, and it would have been a time that was particularly dry in the nation of Israel, and that's going to become important in a little, in a little bit later, he goes to visit his wife, who is still at her father's house. And he wants to go and visit his wife in her room, but the father stops him because now she's married to this other guy. So Samson gets really mad about that, and the father tries to say, well, why don't you marry this younger girl? She's uh, even prettier than her older sister, but Samson's not having it. And filled with rage and anger, he goes out and he captures 300 foxes. And I always kind of wonder about this because it seems like it would have been easier for him to just go and torch the fields rather than to, to capture the 300 foxes that he's going to use to torch the fields. But maybe he just liked using the animals. Maybe he just thought it was funny. In any case, he goes and he captures 300 foxes, and so we see once again his great strength there. He ties them together uh, in pairs, so two of them are tied together, their tails are tied together, and in between their tails, a torch, which he then lights on fire. 
You can imagine foxes with a torch lit on their tails, of course, would go zooming through the fields, lighting everything on fire, but two foxes tied together with a torch between their tails especially are going to go back and forth, running every which way. One of them trying to go one way, the other trying to go another way really would have caused chaos, and they're dragging this torch, this lit torch behind them, and it's particularly dry. Everything gets set on fire. Now the result to Samson's wife and her family is that when the men, the Philistines find out what happened and they find out that it's Samson who did it and they find out that he did it because his father-in-law gave his wife to another man, well, they take out their anger on Samson's wife and her family and they go and they kill uh, Samson's wife and her whole family, including her father. Samson gets even angrier about this because now these Philistines have, have killed his wife. He doesn't like that any more than the fact that he, he likes that the father gave his wife to another man. And so he takes out his anger on those Philistines, slaughtering all of them. So you see how this all just started with Samson wanting that Philistine girl. And that was contrary to God's word. God didn't want the Israelites marrying the Philistines. And yet God used it to accomplish his will. Uh, you see how many people that Samson has killed. After this, Samson goes back to Judah and he's hiding in a cave. And the men of the, Phil the Philistine men come to the men of the Judah and demand that they bring out Samson. 3,000 men of Judah come to Samson and they rebuke him. They say, are the Philistines not masters over us? And so you see, instead of them acting in faith and trusting in the Lord and protecting Samson and even looking to him as a leader, oh, they're too afraid of the Philistines. And so they go and they, they want to hand Samson over to them. But even with 3,000 of them, 3,000 of them are facing Samson. Even then, they're afraid uh, to come and try and take Samson by force, even with 3,000 of them. And so they ask him, they ask his permission to tie him up. Samson agrees, but only on the condition that they swear that they themselves will not kill him. So they, they tie Samson up with new ropes. They take it to the Philistines. When they get there, Samson uses his great strength from the Lord to break those, break those ropes, just as if they were dust. He sees a donkey, a dead donkey nearby. He grabs the jawbone of the donkey, and he uses that to slaughter all the people of the Philistines. After this, he then rules, he judges over Israel for 20 years. The Lord's will is done. Samson didn't want to do what the Lord said, but the Lord's will is done anyway. And the Lord uses even Samson's own anger and sinfulness to accomplish his will. God's will will be done in our lives as well. The only question is, are we going to participate with the Lord and rejoice in his will being done in our lives? Or are we going to spend our lives fighting against him and trying to demand our way? God, what God's will is for us is that we are saved and that our sins are washed away in Jesus. Now, rather than being upset or angry at what God is trying to do for us in Jesus Christ, we should rejoice and thank and praise him and ask, indeed, that his will be done in our lives and that we don't be like Samson. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.